We've been, um, thank you for the award. I, I gratefully receive it and I, I put all my success down to my mother and my father. Um, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Paul in Galatians, as we're moving our way through Galatians, Paul has shifted gear. And at this moment, as he shifted gear, he's declaring all the goodness and all the reality that comes in our faith in, in Lord Jesus Christ. And he makes this statement, he declares it, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Of course, his main point in this section of this chapter of Galatians is this. Focus on what really counts. You see, the problem with the Galatians are, is that they're focusing on what doesn't really count. On legalism. On doing it right. You see, let me explain a way to understand legalism. In one sense, legalism is something good that becomes essential for salvation. That is legalism. You see, many of the things they're talking about were good, but they're not essential for salvation. And there's always a danger that the gospel of Moses can come into our lives and we can become legal. And when something that is maybe good and helpful at a time of period in the history of the church or in the, uh, the journey of communities and countries suddenly becomes an essential for Christian living. And when that essential happens in legalism, one thing that legalism always produces, legalism always produces shame. It always produces guilt. If you've ever been a member of a church where you know, growing up as a teenager, you were under legalism because you felt the shame of your mistakes and you felt condemned by them. And you, you didn't even realize you were doing it. But one day you felt shame and condemnation. And what Paul is trying to tell them is that there is no condemnation. There is no shame in the power of the gospel. And he, said, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I mean, we know how legalism works. Within us, there is always a little legalistic person that wants to drag us away and take our focus off what really counts. And let me remind you this morning, what really counts, the true focus of our lives, what really counts is Jesus Christ. And in our life, what we need to do is focus on Jesus Christ. I've got in trouble occasionally. Uh, because I think cultural differences between England and Canada. And I've been in some religious settings where I've mentioned that I happen to have done something. And suddenly they all look at me like, sinner. And have you ever experienced that? I won't mention the province that I was in in case there's anybody from Saskatchewan. But... <laughs> I remember once I was a young traveler, I was 18 years old, 19, traveling through Saskatchewan, speaking. And what I didn't realize, in the brand of church I was in, they never went to the movies. Whoa. And I happened to mention that I'd gone to the movies. And it was like silence came across the room. Who is this sinner? See, that rule may have been good for a reason, but it's not essential for salvation. Uh, I mentioned once about playing cards. Oh, 
I tell you what, if you play cards, you're going to hell. Suddenly, play, uh, going cards, I'd never heard of this. That Christians, because in England, it wasn't like a big deal. Or, I oh, went to the movies. You just chose that you didn't go to an 18 and R-rated. You went to age appropriate. And you never went to an 18, ever, no matter how old you were. And, and we went, and, and, and cards, and they were like, oh, you can't, you can't play cards. I didn't know this. I'm sorry. I'm not a sinner. And then I come to a Mennonite church, and all they play is crib. And <laughs> I won't mention what the other denomination was. It was, yeah, okay, I won't. I won't. No, don't. Don't do that. Inside voice, Pentecostals. But <laughs> then I discovered that Mennonites, they love cards. They've got cards everywhere. Not only do they play with cards, a terrible game called crib that I can't work out, but... They also use matches as part of that game. That's you sinners. Because matches are connected with cigarettes. And you... I, I. You see, legalism creates shame. One lady said to me after I preached this last night, she said, I had never held a pack of cards. I said, wow. She said, and I actually was in grade nine... And I had a math exam, and the example was to work out with all different kinds of um, symbols using cards to add up and take away. And she raised her hand and said, I can't, I don't know what cards are. It's against my religion. And the teacher said, don't be ridiculous. Get to the principal's office. She sent to the principal's office. She'd never held a pack of cards. That's it may have been good for a reason to do with gambling and poker in the past, but actually, and, and because of the whole kind of um, um, gambling in the dirty 30s and so on, and there's a reason for those, but what was good became essential for salvation. Let me tell you what is essential for salvation. The only thing that is essential for salvation is that you bow the knee at the foot of the cross and you invite Jesus Christ into your life. That's essential for salvation. And Paul is saying it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Freedom is everything to the Apostle Paul. He wants us to preach freedom. He wants us to understand freedom. He wants us to know. And freedom is is central to the Christian message that we have experienced freedom within our lives. Let me explain six things about freedom. First three things are theological points about freedom that the Apostle Paul thinks about and talks about. Number one is that when we are free, theologically, we are free to have a relationship with God the Father and we enter into a relationship with God. Freedom is about a relationship with the Lord. Whether we do this or we don't do this, the true power of freedom is that every one of us has entered into a glorious and wonderful intimate relationship with God because you and I were created to have fellowship with God and that fellowship was broken in the garden and since then God has been reaching out, whether through the tabernacle, whether through the temple and then foretold through the prophets that one would be virgin, would give birth, His name would be Emmanuel, God with us. And then God brought 
Jesus into the world. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Actually, he came and dwelled amongst us. He came and tabernacled amongst us. He came to be with us. And why did Jesus Christ come to be with us? So that you and I can experience the most profound thing in our life, which is a relationship with the Lord God. I have freedom because I'm a free Because I have a beautiful relationship with Jesus. You and I, we are called to have a beautiful relationship with Jesus. Let nothing take away that theological truth. You have gone from the yoke of slavery and and sinfulness and you've been freed into a perfect and wonderful relationship with God. The second theological truth within Pauline's thinking is this. This is only achieved through the work and the power of the cross of Christ. It's only achieved, the freedom of relationship comes through the work of the cross. You see, people look for relationship and connection with God in many, many ways. But the only true way to connect in that deep relationship with God is through the cross of Christ. And when you enter into Christianity, the very truth of the power of the cross that comes into our lives and sets us free. And a church and a people that take our eyes off the truth of the what was achieved on the cross, the justification, the salvation, the redemption, the freedom, it all flows through the cross. And Paul says it doesn't flow through um, the laws of Moses. It flows through what Christ the Messiah achieved upon the cross. The third theological point about freedom that Paul makes is that we are free because we experience the presence and the power and the work of the Holy Spirit on our lives. In other words, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit... Rested upon judges, upon kings, upon prophets, upon priests. But now, after the birth of the church and the move of God and the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit resides in every one of us. And so we have a glorious relationship with God through the power of the cross, and we are filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Paul loved this. He loved nothing more, and you'll discover this in the next verses as we move forward into Galatians. Through chapter 5 and into chapter 6, that everything revolved around a spirit-filled life, whereby the presence of the Spirit of God is at work within the believer and within the church. And what Paul is saying is, don't give up this freedom. Don't give up this relationship. Don't settle for second best. Salvation is found in Christ Jesus. The future is found in the church. And when you believe what Christ has birthed and what Christ has done, it is that message, that message that Paul was utterly, utterly devoted to about the power of relationship, the power of the cross, and the power of the Spirit within a believer's life. Keep in focus what is most important. So if we've got the theological points about freedom, let's move on for the final three, which are the points about the humanity part of freedom. 
the human part, how we live this out, how I live this out as a person, as a Christ follower. How do I live this out? Well, first of all, we, we live it out by just completely talking about this all the time. We, we are, the very nature of Paul and the nature of the church is that we have a, such a wonderful message that what we want to do is communicate the message of freedom, of relationship, of forgiveness, and of the work of the Spirit in a person's life. We just want to tell people everywhere about the goodness of God. It's a wonderful message. It's something that the church should speak about. It's something that we want to share about. It's something that is critical. It's something that we want to take to the nations, whether it's India or Africa. It's something we want to take to generations of, of, um, of, of youth and children. It's something we want to declare in Kelowna is this, is that there is freedom and true freedom for humanity comes through the power and the work of Christ. And I can't stop talking about this. That was Paul's heart. The church shouldn't stop talking about this. The church should be continually talking about the freedom, about the grace, about what God has done. We should not, I just, you know, the church should be a chatterbox of excitement about what God has done in the world. I like talking about Jesus. Talk about Jesus everywhere. I told you last week I chat to people anywhere. I was in the YMCA um, hot tub. I don't usually hang out in the YNCA hot tub, by the way. And I just was finished a run. I thought, I'm going to go and hang out in the YMCA hot tub. Loosen up a bit. And I sat down. I put my earphones on. I started just, um, just contemplating and praying and sat there meditating. And all of a sudden, after about 10 minutes, I felt a slap across the head. What? And I looked up and there was another pastor looking at me. He said, you look so serene. I won't mention what church he comes from, in case any of you know Kelowna Christian Centre. And, and he slapped me across the head and he said, you look so perfect, so serene. I just had to ruin it for you. <laughs> Brotherly love. I said, oh, mate. I, I kind of went really English at that moment because <laughs> this is my Canadian version. And... I said, well, I said, good to see you. Thanks. I'm, I'm being really polite inside. You ruined my... I was just entering the Holy of Holies. Um, and he said, um, he said hey, we chatted for a bit. We'll have to get together. Let's have coffee. All of a sudden, across the, um, the hot tub, a guy came and sat right next to me. He goes, hello. I said, hello. I said, you're English, aren't you? He said, you're English, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, what are you doing here in Kelowna? I said, I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> what are you doing here? He said, tell me. Gone through a tough time, gone through this. But then the prolific message of the gospel just starts to move and starts to explode. And you start to talk. And after a while, I can't help but prolifically talk about that in Christ Jesus, there is freedom. And I told him I was a vicar. That's English language for a pastor. And, and I told him about God and freedom and invited him to come to church. And two weeks ago, he came and sat on the front row of this church. And if I see him in the hot tub again, I'll baptize him. But <laughs> lovely conversation. 
But when you have freedom, you can't stop talking about it. And this is what Paul says. Don't let any of the agitators stop you from being free. Don't let them stop. Because we've got to talk about this. The the fifth thing, point, is that freedom comes with personal liberation. That you and I experience personal liberation. This is existential. It is uh, at times when we talk about this, but it's the human factor that I became a Christian and it affected every part of my life and the shackles of the world that held me back and the problems that I had were broken and I was liberated and I was free as a human being because I understood why and how I was created. Liberation. We are the great revolutionaries of the world because we go to the world and we tell them that a revolution has happened on Calvary and we declare the goodness of God because it's a a liberating moment. Freedom, as Paul will go on to say, says that we're free from things that shackle us, from things that hold us back. And that's why I believe that Christians should be the most positive, the most blessed, the most happiest people on the planet because of this verse. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He set us free. He has changed us and we are liberated. And the problems and the anxieties and the issues and the habits and the pains that once held us back, we are a free people because we have a relationship with God in our lives. And any gospel that is preached is a gospel of liberation. Anything that we communicate, we're telling the person that the slavery and the yoke of the world, of those things, of the evil age and the things that you battle with and the darkness that we fight with, we are declaring that you can be set free from slavery and come into the freedom of Christ. See, the sixth thing is this, is that Paul's implication is this. That when we have a message of freedom, it is also a message of social change. It also affects civil rights. It also is about justice. Because if we've been freed internally, we look at the injustice in the world and we want to see freedom come to the world. You see, we don't run something like Fazl Socks just because that's a nice idea. We do it because there are 200 Poor, impoverished Indian ladies that no hope of ever hearing about Jesus or earning a living. And here we come with the freedom of Christ, job creation, and declare that the goodness of God has arrived to that region. Because the kingdom of God comes. Wherever the kingdom of God comes, there's hospitals. Wherever the kingdom of God comes, there's orphanages. Wherever the kingdom of God comes, there is counseling. Wherever the kingdom of God comes, there is relief. And hungry bellies get fed. Wherever the kingdom of God comes, there is freedom. And this is implicit with Paul's theology. Paul's theology is relationship with God. Paul's theology is the work of the cross. Paul's theology is 
the very nature fulfilled through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul's theology is that we tell everybody constantly about the goodness we are unstoppable. Paul's theology is that you and I personally are liberated for a new life. And Paul's theology is that this will affect the whole of the world that we live in. So are you free? As John Stott says, I have to get rid of the silly little me inside so I can be free in Christ. And there's a lot of the silly little me inside that I need to get rid of for freedom to happen. Attitudes and thoughts and emotions, the silly little me. Only an English theologian could use silly little me as a theological term. I like it. The little me that always creates problems. The little me that always gets frustrated at my spouse. The little me that feels resentment towards that group of people. The little me. You see, you are saved from something for something. You are saved from slavery for the kingdom of God. The ironic thing about it is this is that I was once a slave to sin and death and to the passions and the paganism of the world. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a slave to Christ. I no longer live, but Christ that lives in me. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a theological conundrum that they've argued about for years and thought about that I actually, um, see, freedom doesn't mean, in, in Christian theological sense, freedom does not mean individualistic thinking. See, the much research has been done about North American freedom, and North American freedom kind of comes down to this point. I am free to be alone. I am free to be an island. I am free because I've got my pension and I've got my everything. And I don't need people to interfere in my life. And that is the definition of true freedom. Independence and the idea of the individualistic approach to life. That is not biblical freedom. You see, I become free... But I'm not free to be an island. I become free to be a follower of Jesus Christ and he is Lord of my life. And the worst thing that has happened in Western society is we become so lonely, so individualistic that we've lost all sense of what true freedom means. True freedom means that I'm socially care care about the world that I live in. True freedom means that I care about my neighbors and their problems and their pain. True freedom means that I am liberated in my personality and I experience the fruit of the Spirit. That I know the love and the peace and the joy at work within me. That I experience the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness, and the faithfulness, and the self-control of the fruit of the Spirit within my life. And you know, when I've got the work of the Spirit in my life, and I live to the fruit of the Spirit, I am a free human being. Because Christ has set me free. So you and I, and as we've only got through one verse, and I prepared 12 
But let me say that as Paul says about circumcision, mark my words, Paul, I tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. He's driving home. It's all or nothing. Don't mess with it. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. When you don't focus on the right thing, you lose the focus of Jesus in your life. Have you ever met those Christians? They're once on fire for God. They go into some little strange theology, some little strange legalism, and suddenly they've lost focus of the trueness of Jesus Christ. I've met them. They're very disturbing. For through, and slightly strange, and through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. I know time is moving on and your lamb roasts are going to burn soon. But I want to tell you something. And Michelle's away, so I've got, I've got, I'm going to McDonald's. Um, I'm going to... That's a Canadian thing. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. Verse 5 and 6 are incredible. I'm going to show you something about 5 and 6. In, in verse 5 and 6 of chapter 5, the whole of Galatians is in two verses. Genius. In fact, the whole of your Christian faith is in two verses. And the most... Arguably one of the most important Pauline statements ever made by him in a number of words is made in these verses. So I've got to just tell you these verses. I won't preach six points again, but I will tell you the verses. But there are six points in these verses. Number one, he talks in these verses about something that we've spoken a lot about in this series, faith. That, that it is by faith that we please God. It is by faith that we have the promise. It is by faith that we believe that the barren become fruitful. It is by faith that God can do the impossible in our lives. The second area from faith, of course, is the spirit. That we can only live the Christian life through the Spirit. The third area is justification. That I am not good enough to achieve it on my own. And I'm only saved through the gift of God that comes freely through the work of the cross. Justification. The fourth area is hope. That we have a hope to come. An eschatology that comes. That we've got a hope. That we, we know that there's a hope in the world. The fifth is the power of love. That this is achieved through love. And actually sixth point is about circumcision. You don't need it. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith. So we've got the Spirit. We've got faith. The righteousness for which we hope we are made justified, righteousness, and we are looking forward to hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcised nor uncircumcised has any value. Here we have it. The only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is faith lived through love. Amen. Faith lived through love. Faith lived through love. 
Think about it. It's the only thing that counts. Faith that is lived through love. On the day of judgment, you will not be judged whether you are an Armenian or a Calvinist, although some of you would like to think you'll be judged for those things. On the day of judgment, you will not be judged for whether you are a teetotaler or that you take a little wine for your stomach when it hurts. On the day of judgment, you will not be judged whether you picked up a game of playing cards or you committed yourself to playing Uno forever. You will not be judged for those things. On the day of judgment, you and I will be judged if we lived our faith through love. Through love. Whatever generation, whatever place, some theologians have described this statement as one of the most powerful and explosive statements in Paul's writings. Faith expressing itself through love. And for you and I, in these two verses, we see the beauty of the whole of Galatians. We see faith at work, the spirit at work, justification at work, hope at work, love at work, and the smashing of legalism and the freedom that comes in Christ. That is what Christ desires to do in our lives. And it's no wonder that he says, run the race. See that verse? Run the race. And don't let anybody cut in front of you. Don't let anybody rob you. You see, in the ancient Greek, the way they would run, I love to run. I run on a treadmill in the winter. But the ancient Greeks, a mile away, would put a post in the ground. And all the young men would line up. And they would go. They would run. And the goal was that they had one goal in, in, in aim, is to run to the post and run back to the post in a straight line as you can. And the technique that they would use to win the race was always to trip the other person up or cut in on them. And what the enemy wants to do is trip you up and cut in on you. Trip you up and hold you back from running for the prize. Take you aside and trip you up and stop you from running towards the place, the pole, the tree, the cross, the freedom that Christ has given you. You run and I run. We run in faith. We run in the spirit. We run in justification. We run with hope in our lungs. We run with love propelling ourselves towards the goal that God has set us for. And don't let shame and don't let legalism break it. Get rid of the silly little me inside so that Christ can do his work within your life. Amen. What a blessing. Great verse. Hallelujah. So what's your next step? Well, if you're battling with a silly little me inside of you, you need to sign up for Set Free at the end of the month. I'll be teaching it. Do the business with God. Get into confession, forgiveness, break strongholds, move forward. 
Maybe there's decisions you need to make. If you're not volunteering at Rush, maybe because you're free, you would join the coldest night walk in Kelowna and raise money for Metro community so that we can help support the poorest in our community through that. There are many steps you can take, but the one thing is don't stop running and don't let anybody cut in on you and trip you up and stop you. Let's stand together. If you're new to Willow Park and you think I'm liking it, I'd like to talk more about this, Galatians. I want to get plugged in. Tuesday night in the foyer, I run a Bible study. Come straight in, get plugged in and get involved in what we're doing. It starts at seven, come earlier for a coffee. And if you're new to Willow Park Church, you've never been here or you're just new, go to the information desk, get a card and you get six free coffees at the uh, cafe. And you can get to know somebody. It takes a while to get to know people you know. I always tell the groups I lead, it takes about six weeks to feel comfortable in an environment. So if it's your first Sunday, I guarantee you'll feel very different in six weeks. Father, I pray right now, as we finish this service, I pray God and thank you that we are a free people. And I thank you for Pauline's theology, for the beauty that we are running the race. And help us to live in that freedom and get rid of the yoke that holds us down. Help us to be truly free in Jesus' name, I ask. For every one of us this morning, give us the courage to allow the Word of God do its work on our lives. Give us the courage to run the race. Fill us and thank you that I have a gorgeous and wonderful relationship with you. It's only come through the cross and it's sealed by the filling of the Spirit. May I always share this to the world. May I live liberated as a follower of Christ and may I see liberation happen in the world. And may we see the gospel transform this world in the name of Christ. Amen.